Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to a brand new week and a brand new episode of Get Right To It with me, your host, Chris Stevens. Hopefully you all are doing well out there. Hopefully you've had a great weekend. Hopefully you're ready for the last long week before the holiday season starts. I hate when it gets cold because obviously I live in the mid-Atlantic region and while climate change is still very much a thing, don't get me wrong, but it is cold as a brass monkey's ass this morning. And that's the one thing I don't like about winter and fall, fall and winter rather, but I love the holidays. I love Thanksgiving. I love Christmas. I love New Year's Eve. Just everything about the winter holidays just kind of like warms me up inside, you know, and that sounds cheesy as hell, but it's true. I love Thanksgiving dinner. I love sitting down to watch football. I love decorating for Christmas. And now that I have a brand new apartment, oh my God, I'm so excited to decorate my house. I have not bought anything yet. I need to get a move on on that because Christmas is what? Six weeks away, maybe? Yeah, just about six weeks away. So not a lot of time to waste. So I'm going to, you know, go out, see if I can find myself a good fake tree because I'm allergic to pine. <laughs> so I can't have a real tree. Maybe find some things to uh, get some lights to decorate the house with, you know, the living room, find myself a reef, all this good stuff. Absolutely looking forward to this time of year. I love Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. And I'm just ready for it all. Like, and the, and the great part about it is my job gives us two weeks off at the end of the year. Well, next week is Thanksgiving week, and we only have Monday and Tuesday of work. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're off for Thanksgiving week, which is dope. But we get the week before Christmas and the week of Christmas and I think a couple of days after paid, paid, mind you. That's one thing to be thankful for is a really good job that has allowed me to improve my quality of life and still have time to just rest and relax and be and enjoy and that's the beauty of what everything is you know this year has been such a whirlwind for me I can't wait to do my year in review this is the first time that I've literally been able to just podcast on a regular basis without feeling like you know rushed because of where my living situation or fear because I was trying to make a buck off of it and yes I still would like for this podcast in general to become financially solvent at some point. I mean, it's free as hell to run right now. So it's not like, you know, I got to spend money to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But the thing about this podcast is with the anchor program, the more listens I get, there is a little bit of money that does, you know, go into an account that I haven't touched yet. So got to find a way to get y'all to listen more. I mean, y'all are listening and I'm greatly appreciative, but I got to find a way to make this podcast a little more, you know, financially solvent, more palatable for people to listen to. And just in general, good time. I mean, the first few episodes have been great. I've had one guest. I still want to have more guests. I just have to, once again, stop being stubborn and shy and, you know, scared to ask people, which is strange because it's just asking people, you know, you want to talk with me about this, that, and the other. And for some strange reason, I have the hardest time doing that. I have the hardest time doing a lot of things when it comes to being social and talking to people. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But anyway, pack show for y'all today. We'll talk about the sky not falling in last week's midterms, and we will talk about why the sky was falling, who's responsible for it, and why they're a grave disappointment to the institution that I've given 20 years of my life to, and a lot more. So without further delay, let's get right to it. Well, my friends, we live to fight fascism another day. Last week, the uh, midterm elections happened, and the sky didn't fall. Dems still hold control of the Senate even though there is a runoff for that Georgia seat between Reverend Raphael Warnock, the previous senator, and applesauce for brains, Herschel Walker. But 
the Dems still have control of the Senate, and they votes are still being tabulated in quite a few states, but they'll looks like they'll have a one-seat edge in the House. So that is the best-case scenario for the Dems. Even if the Republicans do have control of the House for a minute, it's still best-case scenario because nothing can go through to Biden's desk without Senate approval. Credit goes to the young voters. Let's go ahead and get that out the way. Gen Alphas, Generation Zs, or whatever you want to call these kids. These kids have watched their peers get slaughtered in schools. The young ladies have watched people try to roll back their reproductive rights. They've watched everybody just make fun of and hunt down people of different races, gender IDs, sexual preferences, and they're like, yo, nah. And it's also a point of they're like, why are we letting people 50, 60, in some cases 70 years old, older than us, make choices for us? They don't know what's best for us. They don't know what's going on. And so that block of young voters that have lived through the Sandy Hook, the Dobbs decision, all this other stuff, they're putting their feet down. And they deserve a ton of credit because a lot of geriatric millennials, Generation X folks, some of these people are just stuck on stupid. I've already mentioned I have a cousin that's stuck on stupid. Oh, funny thing about that, before I get back into this. Um, I was doing my laundry last week, and apparently my aunt heard the podcast because my mom was listening to it. And when your parents, and when your mom and your aunt who are, you know, boomers, well, not, well kind of sort of boomers, you know, are listening to your podcast, you have to remember that, oh my God, I really be talking about some crazy stuff on here. But I was doing my laundry and my aunt texted me and she said, I'm proud of the podcast. Great job. Keep telling your cousin that he is out of his mind. <laughs> She's right. So I shall, you know, once I get finished, you know, dealing with my business over here on Facebook, I'm probably just going to go ahead and just let him have it because enough is enough, dude. Like, you're embarrassing our family lineage. And when my mom told me about our family lineage, you know, in detail last Tuesday, I was like, you know what? Yeah, it's, it's time to stop fooling around. But anyway, credit goes to those young voters because a lot of Gen Xers and geriatric millennials are stuck on stupid, disillusioned, going to the Kyrie Irving school of wokeness and just falling all over themselves just to be dumb. You know, talking about Biden has control of this, Biden has control of that. One of my, one of my, Favorite Twitter follower, shouts out my man Nerd Ferg, that Biden is doing very well in spite of the fact that his approval ratings are low because people feel like he has control over inflation that is in, happening across the world and not just in the United States. And that's a damn good point. Everybody's like, Biden can bring down gas. Biden can do this. Biden cannot bring down gas because you know why? Because gas is overseas and overseas sets the price. We're too reliant on gas as is. And that's a problem that has predated Joe Biden shit, probably before he even thought about running for anything. So, you can be mad. That's your choice. You can be stupid. That's a more dangerous choice. So, yes, hopefully these young voters have lit a fire under the people who refuse to understand that this is serious business, that this is something that we need to combat on a daily basis and be ready to fight. Someone else on Twitter said, where would we be without COVID? Because remember, COVID took out a lot of that voting block that still believes that a woman's place is in the kitchen, 
that black people have to say yes to massa, no to massa, and that there's no such thing as gay, straight, trans, bi, non-binary, and all of that. COVID took those people out. Talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face. <laughs> because the Republicans were the ones that said, this is infringing on our freedoms. Don't jab me. Don't put a mask on my face. And that's why y'all lost on Tuesday. Because y'all are the most immunocompromised group. And y'all didn't want to do the right thing. Not just for other people, but for yourselves. Now look at you. Scared to death that you might actually have to give a damn about somebody other than yourself. Scared that you might actually have to give other people peace of mind. Stop terrorizing people because of the color of their skin or who they choose to love. Scary. That's scary for you. And you should be embarrassed that that's scary for you because mind your business costs absolutely nothing. You see a black man walking down the street. You want to ask him why he's walking down the street, what he's doing here. You see two girls or two guys together. You see somebody who you may think is transgender because there's no real way to tell if somebody's transgender or not. You want to make fun of them. You want to harass them. You want to terrorize them. Now you're scared you might not have that opportunity. Funny to your boy. Absolutely funny to your boy. But there's still an uphill battle. Don't get me wrong because while having these majorities is nice, it's time to really put the pressure on the people in the Democratic Party who are kind of sort of on that age spectrum where they don't need to be running shit anymore. <laughs> because the youngins are like, why, why do we have an 80-year-old speaker at the House? Why do we have 70-year-old presidents? And they're fair questions. Absolutely fair questions. Once again, best case scenario for the Dems to not lose the Senate and still have a good shot at control of the House because now... Biden really gets to roll the sleeves up. I mean, he was already working. Granted, we just lost the student loan forgiveness program because of federal judges that the previous guy already nominated. That's the one thing that Biden's got to attack off the rip if uh, Senator Warnick wins this runoff next month. Start packing these courts, bro. Start packing the courts. Put some people on there that know right from wrong, that know common sense from just being absolutely racist and bigoted. Gotta start packing these courts. Hopefully that's the first thing on his agenda. Or one of the first things on his agenda. But overall, not a bad showing for the Democrats. And for one day, at least for a few days, we could have some peace and quiet. And maybe just a little less anxiety about the state of the United States of America. Before I move on entirely from the election, I do want to call out something or someones or some peoples or some institutions. However you want to slice this shit. I have a bone to pick. If you guys are not familiar, I'm a journalist. Been a sports writer since 2002, 21 years old, covering college football, high school football, anything within sports. I've been at it for a long time. And that means I've been in newsrooms. So I know how these work. I have a journalism degree. I was trained by one of the great black journalists of all time, Professor Dwayne Wickham, who, of course, had a column for USA Today for so many years, founded NABJ. He was the head of our journalism program for a while before our president at the time, Alan Sessoms, forced him and a few other great professors out, quite frankly. So Professor Wickham is one of those guys that I hold as a standard of journalism, and he taught us very well about the if it bleeds, it leads axiom. And I'll never forget the first Thing he had us do in class. I mean, actually, it was the second thing. The first thing was like, it's not what you know, it's who you know in journalism, as far as like sources and all of that. It was the ethics in the media class. 
Second thing he had us do was watch Citizen Kane. And everybody's like, what? that movie's overrated. That movie's boring as hell. Yeah, it's not very entertaining, but if you look at it from a critical lens, you'll kind of see why it's an important film in American history. Because Charles Foster Kane, of course, is um, played by Orson Welles, is, was based off of William Randolph Hearst, who was a media mogul of, of the day. And there was a point where there was a war going on. Well, there wasn't a war yet. And Charles Foster Kane said, you supply the pictures and I'll supply the war. Basically, what he's saying is that he can sway public opinion of whatever was going on with the Spanish-American War over in Cuba, that he could make it so that it was actually a war, just through journalism. Why is that important? Because the mainstream media today has given us adjective for the last year and a half about some damn red wave. The Republicans were coming back for everything. The House, the Senate, they might impeach Joe Biden, they might prosecute his son Hunter. All this other shit. We were scared to death. I was talking about the um, right wing being scared to death in the previous segment. All of us with common sense were scared to death about a red wave. And the red wave didn't come. Why? Why are you freaking out the American public? Because if it bleeds, it leads. And I want people to understand who may not have a great understanding of what goes on in journalism newsrooms or maybe not really care because right now journalism is pretty much a dead medium walking I'm afraid or as the kids say I fear <laughs> but you have to be mindful of the fact that these folks that sit in these newsrooms that sit in these meetings and say okay we got to find the most salacious the most juicy the most terrifying thing we can think of because we need to find a way to sell these papers we need to find a way to get these clicks we need to find a way to get these views we need to find a way to get these listens and apparently American people like to be scared shitless doesn't matter if you're right wing, left wing, liberal, conservative, black, white, gay, straight, man, woman. The news loves to freak people out because people apparently love to be freaked out. That's Stockholm Syndrome of the highest order in these United States of America. Because why are we so intent on being freaked out about things and, you know, letting our anxiety get up about things that we actually can control? Like you have a choice to be bigoted. You have a choice to be violent. You have a choice to be cruel. You have a choice in all of these matters. So why not do the right thing? Why not show compassion? Why not show empathy? Why not mind your business? Why not let people live their lives the way they see fit as long as they aren't harming anybody? That's the question. That's really what it boils down to. And mainstream media plays a role in that because, again, they have to get the best results possible to make sure they, they're paid. And it's frustrating because when I got into journalism as a 21-year-old young man, I never thought I'd see the day where we'd be looked at, journalists and reporters would be looked at as the enemy. And I started with the previous guy talking about fake news. Like, fake news took off like a rocket. It did. And everybody fell for it. Like, newsrooms were starting to be attacked by outsiders. A lot of outlets lost money and ended up closing up shops. And it's very frustrating to watch because it's silly. It's silly to think that people are so afraid of accountability. People are so afraid of the truth. People are so afraid of good reporting that they're just intent to just say, okay, freedom of the press, we don't need that. Freedom of information, we don't need that. We want to be blind. We want to be ignorant. We want to be stupid. We don't care what goes on. 
We just want these nosy journalists out of our lives and out of our business. And it's been costly. It absolutely has been costly. We've lost so many great reporters, so many great news outlets, so many great TV stations, all of this stuff because one segment of the population just hates to hear about, number one, good news, and number two, how they affect the bad news. Like, it's so funny to me that you can't call people racist because they get so offended and up in arms. Like, I'm going to tell you a story. I love telling stories on this podcast, in case you haven't noticed, probably because that's what you should do on a podcast. You should always have something ready for people to grab onto and listen to. So, mind you, I have a basketball block. I run First Day Hoops Report here in the great state of Delaware. I cover high school and college basketball here in Delaware. Got a college game this week. High school ball starts in two weeks. Can't wait. Very excited for it. So, I think it was maybe a year before... When during, uh, yeah, it was during the pandemic season. Howard High School here in Wilmington, Delaware is the oldest black high school in the state and my alma mater, full disclosure. So one reporter was reporting on Howard beating up on the team, which was rare because Howard hadn't been good in football until the um, the coach that the coach now came on at the beginning of the 21st century. And this other guy chimes in like, why are they allowed to beat up on everybody? And, you know, it's so unfair. They should move up a level. And I'm thinking this guy represents a high school. Well, he doesn't represent a high school. I mean, he's just a fan of a high school. He's one of those people that takes high school sports way too seriously. And I thought his tone was racist. I ain't going to lie to you. So he finds my tweet and says, too bad I don't fit your narrative. I, care, I, cheer, I cheer for kids no matter what their race. I don't give a shit what color you are. You know somebody's racist when they say they don't care what color you are, whether it's black, white, brown, green, or purple. When they start naming everything in the Crayola box, that's when you know somebody is racist. So, come around. He doesn't know who I am. Come around a year later, he unblocks me, and he's talking about, wow, first day who support is so great. It's this, it's that. And I'm like, you really think I'm stupid, don't you? I don't, I don't, I don't want to fool with you. Because, I mean, you got real upset when I called you out on your stuff. And that's the point of the story. People hate being called out on their shit, especially when it comes to race, especially when it comes to gender and misogyny. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. It's silly. It's sad that it's gotten to this point, and I don't know what we can do to fix it, but a strong press makes America better. A strong news media makes America better. Somehow we got to find a way to get back to that, get back to reporting the facts and not just trying to scare the shit out of people because it didn't help. It didn't help anybody. It certainly didn't help the party that they thought it was going to help. Because everybody else woke up and said, wow, if it's this bad, we really need to get off our butts and go to the polls. So, kind of backfired in a sense. But, why is the news media having such a large impact on policy, on society? Got to find a way to, you know, get them back to the nuts and bolts of reporting and cut the sensationalism out. Because it's scaring the hell out of all of us. And it's absolutely unnecessary. Not going to spend too much time on this latest debate discussion from Twitterville, but I feel like it's still important to talk about. Honestly, not going to spend too much time on it because I'd rather have someone on with me to talk about it, and maybe one day that'll happen, but for now, I can do this solo. There was a video that went around yesterday of a couple of cats, clean-cut, well-dressed, black men talking about how they don't date black women because black women all want thugs and, you know, roughnecks and all of that. The oldest trick in the book when it comes to men not taking accountability for not being very interesting and entertaining people. And what's killer to me about this is 
I'm 41 years old, mind you. I talk about my age all the time because, I mean, I'm just absolutely shocked that I'm actually in my 40s now. But I talk about it from a maturity standpoint because I'm secure enough in my manhood to say that these are brothers that I feel like women would be attracted to. Like, I don't think, I don't look at those dudes and say, you bust, dog. That's why they don't want you. It's more like, why are y'all so damn corny? Why are y'all not using y'all looks to y'all advantage? What are you doing out here? You know, because a lot of women don't feel that men are handsome and that's their choice. I mean, it's more like women kind of like giving hints that, okay, we're not with you because you are GQ man of the year or you're the sexiest man alive. Like you got to bring something to the table other than looks. And most of y'all ain't even got looks. So it's got to be something else about you that we like. That's basically what women are saying in the most part. And these dudes get on here, classically handsome dudes talking about black women don't like me because I'm this, I'm that. White women treat me better because I can just be myself. The biggest mistake that you can make is thinking that a person or a group of people is a monolith, that they don't contain multitudes. Because black women are some of the more straight-laced women around. I mean, granted, yes, your surroundings matter. Like, if you live in an area that's hood, you're going to be around hood people. If you live around an area that's not hood, you're going to meet not hood people. So you have to look at your surroundings, number one. And number two, you have to look at yourself. Because what good does it serve you to just be incredibly dismissive of women that you feel like don't want you because you haven't really examined why they don't want you or what makes you look more palatable to a certain type of woman or less palatable to a certain type of woman. Accountability is something that has been lost on men for a very long time. Straight men, I'll say. We really missed the boat on accountability. Because I ain't going to lie to you. If you had caught me about five years earlier, that could have been me talking about that. But around 35, kind of grew up a little bit. Kind of understood that, okay, I play much, as much of a role in my problems with dating and women as anybody. I probably am the, I am the problem. Or as the, or as the saying goes, I am the drama. Am I the drama? I am the drama. <laughs> so learning that you can't just constantly project and push your problems and insecurities and failures and certain things off on women is a necessary step into becoming a better person and a better man. Like, growth is ugly. It's absolutely ugly. I've had times where I've literally gone back through every situation that I've had with a woman and I have cringed because I have been God awful, you know, about my insecurities, my self-esteem and all this other stuff. It woke me up in a sense. It was like, wow, you really are not the person that you think you are. And once you realize that, it's like, okay, what can I do to be better? How can I be better? And for me, it was getting into therapy after a long time losing weight, being honest with myself about what I want, who I want it from, and how lacking I am in certain areas. And it's more of a personality thing. And people will listen to and people will listen to this podcast. People will have met me and said, wow, it seems like you know you have a great personality. I'm not even, you know, just trying to like blow myself up. I mean I'm just saying what I've been told. So you can take my word for it or not. I mean it really doesn't matter. But either way, just people are like, wow you know, this is you? Yeah, it's me. I hated myself for a very long time. I hated myself. Hated the fact I was 350, almost 400 pounds. Hated my dark skin. 
Well, I didn't hate my dark skin. I just felt like I honestly used to think that women still like light skin guys in the 21st century. And this is no shout. And this is no diss to my light skin brothers. I hope y'all do well. I want every black man that's black to do well. That isn't a problem. But yeah, I used to, you know, be down on myself about my skin color, my looks, my weight. And I projected that onto women and women were just like, wow, let me get the hell away from this guy. And then I was like, why don't they like me? I had to learn and grow. And when you learn and grow, you realize that you're as much a part of the problem as the people you swear are the problem. And that's what these dudes are missing the boat on. Like, you can say that women like thugs. You can say that they don't like nerds and all of that. What it really boils down to is, can women stand to be around you? And women, by and large, these days can't stand to be around a lot of men. So that should tell you something about the state of men in America and in the world in general. Got to be better. You have to learn to not be ignorant. You have to learn to not be entitled, you know, overly aggressive. You have to learn to chill. You have to learn to converse. You have to learn to be a full, evolved, complete person as the women that you swear aren't actually are. Because if you just sit here and say, all all black women like thugs, all black women like dangerous guys, then you're missing out on a segment of women who are who probably have just as many geeky and nerdy interests and side quests as you do, but for one, they don't fit your view of what an attractive woman is, so you bounce off of her and try to go to the women that you know are out of your league, and you get mad when they show you that they are out of your league. Speaks for itself, man. It speaks for itself. You can't sit here and just typecast an entire group of people. And it's not like it's just only a few black women. I mean, there are tons of black women in the United States and in the world. You can't all say they like the same guys. You can't all say they go for the same personalities, aesthetics, and all of that. Because everybody's different. You know why we all have different fingerprints? It's for a reason. And everybody's attractiveness and dating fingerprints are different. They might be similar, but they're absolutely different. And saying that black women, you know, just go for, you know, roughnecks and all of that, it's like someone else made a great point. It's like, why why is that always the default for black men who are attractive or, you know, draw attention from women? Why can't they just be somebody that women want to be around? The half the battle, no, 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 no. 75 to 90% of the battle is having women want to be around you. If you can do that, what more do you need? You just need to be yourself. You need to be, I mean, you need to be a person that, you know, has a reasonable amount of common sense, reasonable amount of intelligence, able to carry a conversation, be able to be nice to people, be able to be kind to people, you know, not be an asshole, not be overly aggressive, not be overly sexual off the first rip. Just be a good person. If you can do that, you don't have to be making videos complaining about the type of men that black women like. Because black women are more evolved than a lot of people in this world. You'd be generally surprised if you stop stereotyping them and just actually have a conversation with one and try to get to know one. But that doesn't fit the narrative. Shouts out to the guy from the previous segment that I just quoted. <laughs> that doesn't fit your narrative. You know, you have to make somebody the villain, make yourself the victim. But you can't be the victim all the time, man. You got to take accountability for your role in things. And that's what I hope that men start doing eventually because these conversations are tired anyway. But 
more if but if we can find a common ground and say that hey we're just as much to blame for our issues with women as we think women are then we can stop having these goofy conversations about what black women like and what they don't like and actually try to get to know them as people and probably will be again and again will be pleasantly surprised at how fucking cool they are and how much we want to be around them and hopefully they'll want to be around us and that's going to do it for this week's edition of get right to it with chris stevens definitely thank y'all for listening as always if you missed any of our previous episodes, go to anchor.fm forward slash G-E-T-W-R-I-T-E-T-O-I-T. That's all one word. You can also search for Get Right To It as a sentence on Spotify and subscribe there. Keep us up, keep yourself up to date with what we're doing and what we're putting out on a weekly basis. You got any questions, comments, or concerns, or even feedback and suggestions, email me. Chris Stevens writes, C-H-R-I-S-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-W-R-I-T-E-S at gmail.com. You can also find me on the Twitter machine at C J Writes and Things. God damn, is Twitter gonna be around much longer? Anyway, C J W R I T E S letter N T H A N G S on Twitter. Thank y'all for listening once again till the next time we speak, which will be next week before Thanksgiving. Once again, so looking forward to the holidays. Anyway, till we speak again, y'all take care of yourselves and each other out there, man. Peace.